Hello, welcome to Dreamstacks, the developer podcast that feeds your mind and your soul. Dreamstacks is brought to you by Contentful and Algolia. So, get comfortable, grab a cup of tea or a glass of lemonade and join us for this episode. Enjoy your time! Hello everyone, welcome to Dreamstacks. Today we have an exciting episode about GraphQL and we have a lot of really wonderful people here to talk to you about projects they've done, companies they've helped found, development projects they're really excited about. I'm excited to have them introduce themselves and we're going to start today with Fish. Hey everyone, so excited to be here. Thank you so much, Emilia, um, to let me kick this off. And um, this is interestingly my um, second time being on a podcast, so I'm just really excited. And awesome. um, yeah, so I'm I'm Vish. Uh, my um, I'm actually I work on the community and pro team at Hasra, and this is my first full time role. And um, yeah, so I mostly work around our. Um, we have a lovely and buzzing community, and I usually work around a community of developers and making sure that, um, um, you know, they, they have all the resources that they need. It's, it's a, a welcoming community. The vibe is right. And, um, yeah, we, we take care of our developers and that's mostly that I kind of, uh, work on. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Yes. Uh, Hey folks, I am Tiru. Uh, I am product manager at Hasura. I have a great time here, uh, uh, trying to work with the community as well as our uh, enterprise users. And recently I am uh, doing a lot of product stuff uh, on Hasura Cloud, uh, which is quite exciting. And I hope uh, I, I can share some of these details in the in, in this podcast. So thank you for the introduction, Amelia. Hi, folks. I'm Marion. Um, I'm working as a developer experience engineer at Hasura. I originally have a non-technical background. I studied translation and business, then found my passion in tech, and now I'm working at Hasura. I'm very happy. Um, what I'm doing at Hasura is I'm writing documentation. I'm taking care of open source contributions to grow them and to make sure we'll have fast review cycles. And also, I'm organizing our monthly community call where the community gets together and we'll talk about upcoming features and just hang out. Nice. That's awesome. That'll be a lot of fun. Um, and next we have Praveen. Hi, everyone. Uh, thanks for having me here. Um, I, I work as a developer advocate at Asura uh, from the Bangalore office in India. Um, and. Uh, I've been working with Hasura for a few years. Uh, so incidentally, it's my first job as well, my first full-time role. Um, yeah, and the experience has been pretty good uh, and looking forward to share the journey in this podcast. That's awesome. Fellow DevRel, that's awesome. Thanks so much for joining the call. Yeah, hi, so my name is Kevin Ustekila. I'm a, a Scandinavian software engineer working for Algolia, currently residing in Paris. Uh, I'm working on our analytics and monitoring aspects of our dashboard, as well as being one of the main developers on our internal design system currently. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's so great to have you. And last, we have Stefan. Yes, hi, I'm Stefan. I'm uh, working for Contentful for over three and a half years by now, actually, uh, in the Berlin office in Germany, um, mostly doing back-end stuff, even though I would consider myself somewhere full-stack when it does not come to design. Um, and I have been 
like in the team that developed our GraphQL API at Contentful and been there basically from the first commit and first experimentation we made up to the full uh, release now um, with the community spaces to everyone. That's great. Thank you so much. And I'm Amelia. I am um, a developer evangelist at Contemple, and I work with Shepon as well. Um, I've been here for about a year, and I my favorite thing to do, of course, is to have this podcast. So I'm really excited that all of you are here. And um, you know, I got to meet uh, the team of Asura last year at the GraphQL conference that happened in San Francisco. Um, by the way, they had puppies there where you could play with them in between sessions, which was amazing. That was my first experience of puppies at a tech conference. But other highlight was meeting Hasora. And um, when I was at that conference, I got to talk to a lot of people, you know, at lunch or, or you know, at, at all the social hours. And it was surprising that a lot of people who were really excited about GraphQL who were there actually had didn't have any GraphQL in production at their companies, but were really excited to try it. Um, how have things changed over the last year? Um, are you finding, you know, just I would just love to hear each of your journey of, of what you've seen in the last year since it's such a rapidly developing community. I think uh, at Hasuro, it's, it's been really crazy since, uh, since last year, especially. I was also there in the GraphQL Summit at SF. Uh, yeah, it, 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 was, it was huge. Like, I didn't imagine yeah. conference being that huge. Like, it had three floors, and one of the floors had those puppies. Uh, and, yeah, that was that. So, so the... the, the the community vibe there and the, uh, the the technology's rise is really felt when uh, when when you come to such events. Uh, but the same thing now we are feeling uh, at Hasura because uh, with the number of users and number of uh, feature requests and the number of integrations that uh, people are uh, coming forth with uh, has been just phenomenal in the last one year. And I think uh, even if you judge by external metrics like hacker news uh, posts or general google google trends and so on the the rise of graphql has been amazing and uh, we are feeling that firsthand uh, at hasura because uh, our github issues are rising uh, uh, like at, at the same pace and it's it's just crazy right now maybe to add to this so i remember when there were a few conferences where graphql was just like one talk of a conference because it was very slowly to start becoming popular and then very soon there have been whole conferences all around GraphQL altogether and also when I started at Hasura it felt like a lot of companies um, are were trying out Hasura to see if it's something for them and now we have a lot more people also larger companies that use it in production and I think this is not only true for Hasura but for other um, GraphQL companies as well. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, as we see a, a giant rise in users, uh, what are some of the, the difficulties that you're finding from developers who are either getting started or maybe once they're, they're hitting scale? I think Praveen uh, might be the person hey, for this question. Yeah. So, um, for, uh, yeah. so I've been uh, working with a few developers to uh, onboard onto GraphQL in general, right? So, uh, I've been creating some tutorials and blog posts around explaining what GraphQL is and uh, like how do you uh, how do you create it in your uh, how do you create your first GraphQL app, right? Uh, I think the the understanding uh, for existing developers, uh, uh, existing uh, front-end developers, is that um, it's it's complex for them to uh, to understand that this is a new query language. Uh, but uh, for me, at least personally, when I uh, when I learned that. Uh, I can just uh, make requests using JSON. 
uh, that was the moment for me to, uh, that was the moment when GraphQL as a technology clicked for me, right? Uh, I can just make a request in JSON. I can just ask what exactly I need. Um, and when I started making my first request, uh, that's when I believed, okay, now this is something that will be probably be very useful. Um, and I think when other uh, fellow developers uh, looked at this angle, I think they started picking up uh, GraphQL pretty quickly. Uh, so the initial uh, friction was about learning uh, a new new technologies uh, can be over overtaken by this uh, concept, right? So uh, that's what uh, I believe uh, is the initial problem for uh, new developers. Uh, but obviously, in production, there are like multiple other other complex use cases like caching and so on. But I think primarily uh, for a developer to uh, get started with GraphQL, either on the front end or the back end. Um, it's, it's just to know that it's just not a new alien language. It's just a, a new friendly query language that you can get started with. And it's going to aid you in, in developing apps faster. Absolutely. And what are some of the ways in which you, you talk to developers who are unfamiliar, or maybe some people in our audience are unfamiliar with GraphQL? How is, you know, everyone has their own quick sort of, uh, elevator pitch or what to say why well, it might be better, why it's, uh, you know, interesting or relevant. What, how do you phrase that to the developers? And maybe also, um, Marion can ch ch chime in as well, since you do a lot of meetups with developers. Yeah. So at least from my experience, I think when I, uh, show graphical, the tool, uh, the graphical tool, uh, to other developers and show them how easy it is to make a request, uh, that's uh, a pretty good starting point for, uh, showing what GraphQL is. Uh, and the magic that GraphQL brings you uh, immediately, right? So, uh, yeah, GraphQL is a very good entry point uh, to explain to a new developer what uh, GraphQL is and what uh, you can actually do with it. Uh, because it's like self-documented, you can try it out, like there's queries that people can uh, type in and then everything auto-completes and whatever, right? So uh, that magic uh, and the tooling around that uh, is, is a pretty good entry point uh, to onboard a new developer on the GraphQL. I agree with what Praveen said. And also what, what I'm saying, like as an elevator pitch for GraphQL is basically everyone can use it that has a little bit um, an idea of, of developing. And you don't have to be a backend developer um, to build a backend with GraphQL. So it makes it a lot easier also for frontend developers to build backends, which also makes the, the communication within, um, between developers a lot easier. And um, what are some of the exciting use cases you've seen? I know Shafan um, did a, a great webinar and, and a blog post around what Shopify has been doing at scale with GraphQL. Um, I would love to hear some exciting stories of, of maybe you know, customers or friends or even personal projects that you've been able to see a real impact from either switching to GraphQL or starting you know, from scratch with GraphQL. I think the most interesting story is actually how, in my perception, we started with the whole GraphQL thing at Contentful, because in the beginning, it was not like that, hey, you know, we need to pick up this trend now and build this API. But in the very beginning, it was actually an other colleague named Jakub, uh, who started um, a project basically putting GraphQL on top of our existing REST API and kind of like mapping uh, just the things to each other, how it was often done in the beginning before like specifically designed GraphQL APIs came to the market. And um, it was just like a pure experiment and was actually never really intended to be used in production. And we even labeled it like this. Um, but soon we started actually seeing people picking up on that, especially the ones with like higher volumes of traffic and the real need for it. 
really saw like the benefit in the technology and then kind of like abused this experiment and deployed it to production and soon had like a couple million requests uh, running through that. And uh, even after the release of the GraphQL API, it took us a while to actually get everyone off from using this experiment and actually using the official API. And uh, I think that shows quite good how valuable such a technique and technology can be if you really like run into large scale problems and then you like rather picking that up than just saying, hey, let's like experiment around with things. Absolutely. Did you have any, I don't know, interesting sort of growing pains with people who were trying to scale or was this sort of the solution to people who are looking at, um, you know, building up their APIs at scale? No, of course you open up like room for more improvements once you have the first one done. And uh, even with like GraphQL, we are now um, hopefully seeing like a, more people picking up GraphQL uh, at Contentful than seeing probably also other load patterns that we need to mitigate. So I wouldn't say we're just done just because it works. And uh, there are still like, you know, foundational things in the background that can always be done like faster or better or whatever. But I think we have taken like a good step forward. And yeah, the next problem and, and scaling problem I do see is if we want to um, extend the whole thing to be, for example, for like management or stuff like that, mm -hmm. and trying to get like into the world of mutations, because currently you can like only read the data in Contentful with GraphQL. And then that is like a whole new set of problems we need to design around. So it's still like exciting journey ahead. Absolutely. And and what advice would you have for, for companies that are maybe at early stages or, or at a redesign phase um, who are looking to either, you know, redo their rest or add GraphQL? What are some things that you would ask them to consider before they decide to put resources into building a GraphQL API? Probably like this usual tip of evaluating whether you actually need it. And <laughs> yeah. that's very, very different for like every company. So I don't think there's like the silver bullet solution here. Um, but if you have like very strict performance, like mobile performance things, I think that would be like a good indicator that it might actually make make sense to use. Um, if you have a lot of uh, smaller teams developing on the same kind of like UI code base or whatever, and you have like really separated on components and you want to map those components to like data that you want to fetch, then it probably also makes sense because it's better composable than um, like the old traditional REST way. I think those kind of things that can be like indicators, but eventually everyone just has to decide on their own needs. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm sure we have a lot of our listeners out there that are making some of these decisions. So any, any advice that, that, that anyone can have, I'm sure is really valuable. What about some of these complex caching issues? Have, have, have you seen, are there any kind of best practices with, hey, before you go and do XYZ, know this? Um, or have you seen any really creative solutions at either any of the customers that you've had or even in-house? Yeah, so I think caching is some, uh, is, seems like an untractable problem with uh, GraphQL. And that's because people expect caching to work the same way that it works with the uh, uh, regular REST-ish uh, APIs. And with GraphQL, the transport mechanism doesn't really matter. Uh, it's an independent spec. But that means that you can uh, set up any kind of a caching mechanism on top of your transport layer yourself. Like it doesn't tell you to not do caching in a certain way. Uh, it's, it's totally up to you. So uh, so recently in Hasura Cloud, for example, I can uh, share how we are doing caching there. Uh, is uh, we kind of, for every every uh, query that is made uh, in uh, from, from the client, you can kind of give a TTL directive. So directives are custom things that you can act uh, in your schema, annotate uh, your schema with directives to implement some kind of a custom behavior, right? So caching can be implemented by adding something like a cache directive, right? 
so if if you add the directive, we will store the result in a Redis cache, and next time when you have to retrieve the results, it'll it'll get it from the cache. So instead of using regular HTTP headers and cache headers and so on, you basically use directives in GraphQL to get the same kind of result. So that's one way that uh, that is feasible, and that's what we do uh, in Hasra Cloud. Great. Thank you for explaining that to us. Um, At Contentful, we actually do it a bit different. Um, maybe here, like maybe an interesting different use case to it. Um, so as we usually have uh, customers with like more read-heavy traffic than than writing, uh, we actually want to have a request that is once made uh, cached indefinitely up until other changes happen, which is obviously like yet more complex than just like putting an um, like a time to live onto some of the fields. And we have therefore like multiple layers of, of caching in there and uh, still like the, I think the most heavy thing is still the CDN. And there it was interesting for us uh, because usually you don't really cache post requests. And like with a get, it's pretty easy and uh, like wildly used. And we had to configure everything to actually make it ready for post requests and uh, even run into like an implication that is currently still in the GraphQL API at Contentful um, that you can only send like, what is it? I think eight kilobytes of a, a post body because everything above couldn't be um, calculated into a hash on our CDN provider. And therefore we can currently like not support bigger queries and you have to like work around that by, I don't know, stripping white space or whatever. And uh, still we, only get like a what is it 60 percent cash hit ratio i think and at rest we for some customers get around like 95 99 whatever and um so it's like it's still hard because in the with the post request and especially typing out what you get um you often fall through the cdn layer and then we have like other additional like kind of partial caches that we can use uh, to just like optimize the response times for you Stefan, this is uh, more like uh, CDN level caching, which is used for static data, or is it also uh, dynamically updating data? Uh, no, this is only like static CDN in front of it. And just like for one specific uh, GraphQL document you sent, and that response will not change up until the data has changed. And then we basically uh, purge that information and the next request would get through to the origin. Got it. And does it have any user level uh, attributes? For example, user one can see some data and user two will see some other data or is it like global globally accessible data um, this is usually globally accessible data so it's um, uh -huh. like in the delivery api and it's not like user specific or user custom data so the user enters the, uh, the data into our system yes but it's like not per consuming user it's not different but the same and uh, basically the authentication layer here is like uh, the usual authorization header with like a um, access token and if you have that, then um, all the data that you can request will always be the same across the globe. Got it. Thank you. There's also, because GraphQL uh, is it has a type system, um, you can also like do caching on the client side, uh, which uh, typically with REST APIs, you will not be able to uh, very easily do. The tooling around GraphQL lets you do it uh, seamlessly. And I think a bunch of tools like Apollo Client and Oracle and 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 few others uh, enable you to do that. So um, and that's primarily because there's a type system and there's a schema which is involved uh, in setting up GraphQLs and 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 I think the 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 ecosystem is evolving on both the client side and the server side for for handling caching better. And I have a question for those of you, um, you know, Fish and Praveen and even Marion who are um, and 
and even Kevin, who are working in the community of developers. Um, what are some uh, beginner projects that you suggest to people who are just getting started? I know that Kevin has created a couple of side projects using GraphQL uh, with a GraphQL-based uh, backend API. So um, I would love to hear a little bit about some things that you might recommend to people or even awesome community projects that you've seen um, that people have done on their own. Uh, yeah, so I mean, we, we don't use GraphQL at Algolia, sadly. Um, so I only really get to play with it in my, my personal projects. Um, but of course, uh, any any good starting point from a front-end uh, engineer's perspective would definitely be to look into Apollo. Uh, I've had a lot of fun with both Apollo Server Express and Apollo Server Micro uh, bundled together with Next.js. Um, that has been hugely helpful. Um, more recently, uh, I'm starting to look into the, the specs for, for Relay. Um, it looks very interesting. Uh, it's, I didn't even know that that existed until uh, last week. Uh, it's amazing. Previously, though, um, I would have recommended people to look into a, an NPM package called Mingo, which um, mimics uh, some uh, filtering uh, functions from, uh, from MongoDB uh, to use directly in, in your own resolvers. Um, which I'm currently using for my uh, portfolio uh, website where I have a, a resume <laughs> built as a GraphQL API. That's awesome. And, and you said here that it's an interactive resume. So what is that like? I mean, for me, it's, it was just a fun experiment. I was kind of, I always had a, a, a JSON resume uh, just because I used to have a website where the resume aspect was just built dynamically based on that. Nice. Uh, I did consider Contentful, but I never got around to it, uh, I'll admit. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's been loading from a JSON file, um, and it's doing the same thing now. It's just as a, this GraphQL layer on top, uh, makes it a bit more interactive. The downside being, of course, uh, recruiters don't know how to use it, but I'm not looking, so it's fine. Um, they can learn to code. It's okay. <laughs> they can learn. Yes. I mean, there's a documentation aspect for GraphQL. So, I mean, that's that right. Could be something there. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I think I would but, yeah. be way more intrigued to answer any recruiter who actually went through the, uh, exploring my data through a GraphQL API and then heading and reaching out to me, I would totally answer. <laughs> Absolutely, except don't do that. So, <laughs> I don't, I don't lose accept what I answer. <laughs> no, no, yeah, I, for I sure. Agree. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, that, it definitely shows that they're interested. Um, I think that's cool to see that kind of stuff. It, it's rare for recruiters to do that, but you know, when it happens, it happens. Well, note to recruiters out there, you know, get creative. <laughs> we'll help you out. <laughs> that would be awesome. So I started, I, I, I would kind of start off with my journey because I'm kind of a graphical newbie too. Um, um, so so uh, my first um, experience getting my hands dirty with GraphQL and Hasra both was um, building this um, um, polling app, which was kind of this data visualization app where there's um, there's a poll and then um, if if anyone answers like if if anyone answers or like um, votes for something as a response then that data will be um, shown as a chart um, it, it's a it's kind of this live real time data and that concept kind of really appealed to me because um, you know using GraphQL I think the beauty of using GraphQL from a front end developer's perspective is the power of um, bringing real-time data into your application. So that was my first introduction to GraphQL, which just blew my mind away. Uh, like, except, of, um, except for the graphical part where 
Praveen and a few other people talked about how GraphQL um, beauty is also the introspection um, and how easy it makes um, the whole exploration part um, of the API, you know? So those are the few things that really appeal to me. And I think generally in the, in the front-end developer space, that's also something that other people like to play around with a lot. Um, like building out something that has real-time data, maybe a real-time a real-time chat application or something like that. Um, and um, so, so one project that I really, really um, loved from the community was that someone built a, mu a, a mood tracker application using um, GraphQL, and what that did was it had this beautiful um, illustration of um, of plants. And um, so if I'm using that mood track application and I'm tracking my mood every day, just putting down how I feel, if I feel sad, I say sad, if I feel like gloomy or if I feel excited, then that's the kind of response I'm putting in. And based on those responses, those plans kind of take shape, you know, that data is kind of visualized. And um, that was something that just really blew my mind away. And that was something that's that was also really, really cool that I found someone was working on. That's so cool. Thanks for sharing that with us. I'd love to see that. So when I started at Hasura, the first thing I built was a swag store because, so basically a store where somebody can um, like for us to sell swag. And it was great to to practice like all the things, queries, mutations, authentication, data validation. So it really takes you through the whole thing. So when people from the community ask me, how should I learn GraphQL? Then I'm saying if they want to learn it seriously with all the layers that are needed, I would probably recommend the Swag Store. And um, something else that a community member of ours built that I found very cool was uh, called Fishbowl Game. This is maybe not for beginners because it was quite complex. So it's a multiplayer game. It has authentication and it's in real time. So when somebody updates their answer, it shows up immediately um, for the others too. So this was one example that I found re really cool from the community. That's awesome. And how did how did the game go? What was what was the fishbowl game? <laughs> it, uh, it means it's a very complicated route. Yeah, a party game. And it's, it's something about guessing words, which maybe you have it clearer in mind. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, that was, I I feel really bad about not actually bringing that up because that was um, an amazing project. And um, our community member who built that game, Avi, um, he also presented that game and the whole live demo at, our, at one of our community calls. Um, and um, so, yeah, it's kind of, this online um, web version of a party of a traditional party game and um, where there, there's a bunch of players so there's a lot going on because the thing with multiplayer games is that um, you need to leverage all, all that um, you know kind of kind of data and there's again Marion said that there's also authentication involved so there's some sort of complexity it, it isn't just like you know a, um, a, a single single um, page app or something like that, or where there's just static data. Um, there's a lot going on. And so um, that was really cool to see. And what really impressed me about this game was that this person, um, Avi, he built it in one week and then 
um, put it into production um, also in one week. So the whole thing, which is very complex, took just two weeks. So I was quite impressed by the speed. That's awesome. That's really <laughs> yeah. cool. And then, of course, the follow-up important question, what kind of swag do you have in your swag store? <laughs> so we have a lot of swag. So we, we have T-shirts and stickers and mugs. And if you make a contribution, an open source contribution, you will get the swag package for free. Nice. That's yeah. awesome. That's very, very cool. Thanks for sharing yeah, that with us. Oh, go ahead. I was, going, I was going to ask, you should definitely uh, send a link because I'd love to check that out. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, if you send it to me too, I can put it in the podcast, um, you know, in the RSS text of, of the show so it can go out syndicated. So everyone can get the swag. <laughs> <laughs> that's great i like how everyone gets so excited when swag comes up dimensional swag comes up yeah what is wrong with us right <laughs> <laughs> i'm obsessed uh, I you, you, should, you should see the number of socks i have i'm where i'm actually wearing a pair of contentful socks yes. right now <laughs> wow. i'd like to get my hands on a pair of those because one thing that i'm really disappointed about um, uh, my swag collection is that I don't have a lot of socks. <laughs> oh, well, that's the great thing about being on DreamStacks podcast is everyone will get a box of swag. So I'm happy to take all of your addresses after this. You could all have contemporary socks and I would be very happy yes. if you wear them. So. <laughs> I'm somewhat you know, happy. I'm not disappointed anymore. <laughs> I think, Stefan, we can get Arena to get you a pair, too, if you, if you need an yeah, extra. Uh, <laughs> it's not due to that. I actually like and, and really love those socks, but I cannot like, wear them because uh, like, for the people who cannot see me right now, I'm uh, two meters and five centimeters tall. Uh, so my foot are also a bit, or my feet are also a bit bigger. And uh, yeah, within, what is it, like EU size of 50, which is, I don't know, 15 or so, I think, in the US size. That's amazing. Uh, they, they just don't fit, you know, and it's like... <laughs> Since three years, it's always like this, oh, God, yeah, they look so cool, and yeah, I cannot wear them. That's, yeah. Well, you know, I have seen someone out uh, using a, a pair of socks as a face mask. They just cut two holes on the end and use it so you, know, you could repurpose. <laughs> <laughs> Genius. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I, don't, I don't actually, you know, I'm not like a doctor. This is no recommendation here, but, um, you know, just, you know. But maybe if you have an animal, they could wear the socks, too. Do you have any animals yeah. to <laughs> No, sadly no. I'm like really looking forward for getting a dog eventually, but I want to have like a garden first and currently I don't, living I in a flat. You. So for me, that's just not working with a dog then. Yeah. Well, and of course you have to get a dog that can fit the socks. So, you know, it's like, it's a process. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, we... so about my sweat. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead. Um, yeah, so I was just, I just wanted to quickly add, since we brought up the, uh, the topic of swag, is that, is that in my entire swag journey and like swag surfing when we go to conferences, um, the most interesting um, piece of swag that I have owned is from last year at DevilCon London, where I got, I think there's two, there's two in the nominations. One was from um, Twitter where it, uh, the pencil, uh, they gave away a pencil, Twitter pencil, and um, it comes with a piece of paper. And if you um, plant that piece of paper like a sapling, um, small wild, little like wildflowers will grow out um, overnight. And that's something that was so beautiful. And then another thing I got um, from the Spotify booth was a pair of drumsticks. 
45 drumsticks, but those drums, uh, those weren't just drumsticks. Those were also pens. They doubled as pens. So that is very cool. I think we know someone on this call too who has a drum set. He could have used those pens. <laughs> yes, they do. They do good, definitely use a pen. <laughs> yes, that's I awesome. And anyone else have some epic swag that they've ever ever received, like the be- the best one ever? So the most surprising swag that I found was uh, in a serverless conference uh, where Firebase was one of the sponsors. And uh, what they were uh, giving away was a hot sauce, <laughs> an actual sauce that you That's can like, put amazing. in the yeah, wow. so That was the craziest uh, swag that I ever saw. Was it good? Was yeah, that- <laughs> I, I, was, this is, I feel like this is, I'm being slightly biased. Um, but another really, really interesting and lovely piece of swag, um, and I have to call this out because in this um, whole time where um, conferences conferences are going online, um, uh, we at Con, uh, at Hasra Con uh, we gave away a GraphQL API, <laughs> which was fed in with all the data of all the talks uh, and everything, um, all the speaker information and stuff like that in that API endpoint, and we just gave that away at the end of the conference and as as swag. So I'm really proud of that. (laughs) That is really cool. I I really like that. I feel like, you know, that's that's a difficult part about conferences is like, what did you learn? Who did you meet? All that kind of information. We all have our own, you know, ways of organizing that, especially in developer evangelism and Deborah. (laughs) But that's really cool. I like that a lot. That's really awesome. Yeah, because there was so much going on, you know, there was um, three days of um, uh, workshops and um, right after that, there were three days of um, a whole bunch of talks with from these amazing set of speakers. And we just didn't want our, our um, audience, you know, um, everyone who registered for the conference to miss out on anything. Um, so if they, if they couldn't catch any talk, they can just explore the um, API and there it is. That's great. That's great. And and will will everyone um, on the call be at the next GraphQL summit that's coming up in very very quickly? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Awesome, awesome. And and it will is, is any do you have any exciting things that you want to share with us about what you'll be doing there? Or do you have? I mean, if it's a surprise, you don't have to share it. But uh, maybe <laughs> so any talks are kind of I mean, cool. I'd, I mean, I'd like to. I'm just kind of counting on my. Um, teammates for this one but I'd like to think that we have something as a surprise but yeah <laughs> so what are, what are your uh, what are your favorite uh, I mean do you have few talks that you're looking forward to Emilia um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I think there's a lot of interesting people that I followed their their talks last year, and I would love to see the updates. Of course, I want to, you know, connect with that sort of uh, room. I imagine you guys have like a chat room that you'll be doing as well. So I'd love to like jump in and say hi, and hope you guys will come and say hi at our, um, you know, Contemple chat room too. Um, and I think we'll be doing some prize giveaways and fun things like that. Um, I, I really hope they bring back the puppies, but virtually. <laughs> So I did talk to the organizers and I said, you know, the company that you brought the puppies in in San Francisco, they are doing it virtually. (laughs) They'll come into Zoom talks and just there'll be a puppy there, like on your Zoom call. So, um, you know, I I don't know. I have I literally have no idea if they're actually going to do that. That was just my that was my one, you know, try to bring in puppies. (laughs) You know, that just makes me think because um, with all these online conferences, 
um that's kind of a really great way to just keep the audience engaged you know it it should be a general rule that um um all the speakers um should if if it's a live um talk all the speakers should just have um any pets that they have in the I video totally agree <laughs> i totally agree and that's kind of a precarious situation because then i don't think that anyone would be listening to the actual talk <laughs> Um, but yeah, <laughs> no, I, I I love that. I I I I kind of went down like a rabbit hole because of this. Because looking into this 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 amazing puppy rescue, um, they have goats, baby goats that can come into your Zoom call for like a certain amount of money an hour. You can have like a team call, and then like a baby goat is also on the call, and there's someone like you know petting it and like tending to it while you're on. I was like, that's amazing. Oh yeah, I saw that. I know. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> if you're an educational institution, uh, they can even do it for free what? in some cases. You guys, yeah. we need to form a non-profit. <laughs> exactly, exactly. See, now you're talking my language. <laughs> That's it. Well, what would our non-profit be? We could be GraphQL educators for and with goats and by, by goats and puppies. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll set and up an yes. API for them. Cats oh, are the yes. most majestic creatures ever. I know. And <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I will try to bring my puppy onto the, the chat room at GraphQL uh, Summit, obviously. So at least we'll have one puppy in the Contemple <laughs> chat room. But, you know, he'll probably be there for right. like five seconds and then just like try to eat the screen. But, you know, what's a laptop really? Well, Tanmay will be there. Our, our CEO, Tanmay, will be speaking at um, GraphQL Summit, actually. And um, this is very relatable because it's about caching. Nice. And um, yeah, so that that should be um, super interesting. I'm personally looking forward to that talk because I haven't heard it before. That's great. No, I, I will definitely not miss that one. And that, thanks for thanks for letting us know. Um, so part you know part of Dreamstacks is we always like to give people a little bit of insight into our lives as developers as well. In addition to the wealth of technical information, expertise, and you know design experience around our, our GraphQL APIs. I also like to ask people, um, because we're the podcast that feeds your your mind and your soul, so we like to talk a little bit about how, how you're staying sane, what you're doing to keep yourself motivated. Um, you know, a lot of us have been working remotely for a long time. Some of us have been old pros. This is like, you know, we've been doing it for, for more than a couple of years, but um, I'd love to ask you guys, since, you know, we're on the topic of pets, um, how, how has everybody been, um, have you noticed your pets doing really strange things during uh, sheltering in place? Or I know everyone's in different sort of regions and countries with different types of protocols, but have, have, you, have you caught your pets doing strange things? Well, I'd like to think that I have a pet, uh, an, an invisible pet, but I do not. <laughs> that is slightly <laughs> This topic is making me slightly sad, but uh, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the same here. I don't have any animals. Um, mm. I just sit by my window and stare at people walking by. At the beginning <laughs> of lockdown, there were some very interesting types because there was no one else out there. Um, so they just did whatever. Now it's a bit more back to normal, but uh, yeah. Sadly, no pets. Yeah, I also don't have pets, <laughs> but I'm not so sad about it. <laughs> I'm fine with it. That is that and... small slice of silence after, after your question, you know? <laughs> no pets. <laughs> and also, the like lockdown here, like um, there are not so many restrictions anymore. So I feel like my life is almost back to normal, except that it's not possible to travel and see 
my colleagues and friends in India. This is the only thing I'm still missing. Otherwise, my life is mostly normal. That's great. That's great to hear. Although I'm, I'm sure you're, you're missing your friends and family. So hopefully soon you'll be able to connect with them. Um, how has everybody, you know, sort of been dealing with, um, with working remotely? Um, how are you kind of staying focused? Well, um, so one fun part about working remotely is that every, every week we sort of do these, um, Friday drinks calls <laughs> as part of our team calls, team, um, you know, like chill out sessions and we just play games together and, um, have a few conversations about how everyone is doing, um, in their day in general and stuff like that. And it just helps, um, everyone see each other's faces, you know? Um, listen to each other um, while looking at each other, and and it's, it's it's a good feeling because sometimes when you're just cooped up inside one room all by yourself working on your laptop all day, it just it feels like it has become um, an entire part of your your routine, and sort of stepping out of that um, routine sometimes like once or twice a week is just a really good feeling, and I personally love really love doing that with my team, so. So that's, that's one fun part of my week that I'm always, always looking forward to. That's really awesome. Have any other teams found innovative ways of, you know, staying connected and, and having fun together? Or are we just really Zoom fatigued? You know? <laughs> yeah, so at Algolia, we do a, a couple of th- things, actually. Um, we have a weekly meditation. I'm not a part of that, I'll admit. Um, but we do that remotely. Uh, we also have our happy hours that we do remotely, which has been a lot of fun. Um, usually uh, guessing uh, songs or movies uh, based off a little bit of audio. Um, it's a fun little game. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really fun. Um, I also know that in, in my squad, uh, we, we do uh, syncs um, very frequently and we take coffee breaks together and, and that kind of thing just to keep that human connection, uh, which is very important in these times. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's great. We've been doing a couple of Jackbox game, you know, <laughs> happy hours and whatnot. Um, we've had a lot of baby showers, so I've been able to play Jack all the Jackbox games every baby shower that we have, which is really fun. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's like played those. Is totally sick of them, but I'm still enjoying them. <laughs> it, yeah, those are it'll, it'll pass. Amazing. It'll pass. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, I know. I have some friends who are just like, no, no more, Amelia, no Jackbox game. <laughs> But I'm looking for other fun things. One one I did was like a scavenger hunt where everyone had to kind of run around your apartment and, and find things with your team. Of course, everyone who had kids totally won, you know, because <laughs> they could just have like five people running around the house. So that, and, and also, you know, they have just more random objects. So that was, uh, yeah. <laughs> but that was a fun yeah, one. That, that's cheating for sure. I mean, well, you know, you're, you're outsourcing. <laughs> So at Hasura, we've just developed um, this very unhealthy obsession with playing Scribble with all of our teammates on every Friday. Um, and that's, that's kind of Hasura's um, jackbox, you know? Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. That's great. It's just really fun. It's like that traditional Pictionary, but you just get to laugh at each other while still being on your couch or your, or your bed. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, I miss seeing everyone in person. So it is great to see people's faces and, and in a fun way. And, you know, um, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I mean, that being said, I'm not against being remote. It's actually quite nice. 
uh, it's my first time doing it like for a longer period of time. Um, so be besides missing your colleagues, of course, and some communication being a bit more difficult, I'm actually not finding it that bad. Um, I could get used to it, I'll admit. Yeah, I feel yeah. like, like a couple of times now that people were like, um, even after the whole COVID-19 thing is kind of like handled, however that will look like, uh, that they would actually like to stay um, like in a home office for, like, I don't know, two days a week or whatever, or like get two days to the office. And just like having this flexibility and I think being forced to just trying it out now might just give some like good experiences for afterwards because you either way just had to readjust now. And so it was not really a deliberate choice, but well, here we are. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I definitely have been enjoying it more than I thought I would, but I also really miss my coworkers. But um, so yeah, what are what are some of the ways in which your teams? I mean, obviously, I feel like in you know in tech we have the asynchronous workflow um, and uh, you know working with distributed team members, maybe more so than some other industries. Um, and so we've had like a little bit longer, you know, to to sort of adjust. But what are some of the ways in which your teams have pivoted? Um, you know, now that we're sort of mandated to work from home. Um, and I know there's maybe different situations at every company, but what are some of the things that your teams have, have innovated, even, even if you had some processes before, um, what are some ways that you've maybe uh, pivoted or expanded the way in which you communicate uh, asynchronously or remotely? Well, your question is just really on cue, you know, um, because I was actually going to say that the bright side of, um, um, of being at home and having to work at home for me was that um yeah this this is the time that's kind of pushing all of our boundaries of of how we communicate communicate <clears throat> with our teammates you know um it just makes us think what are, what are some ways um by which we can sort of um respect each other's time and um optimize our time and um optimize our focus and um so so we we this is the time we can that we can take as an opportunity to sort of um, learn all of these other workflows and ways in which we can um, try to build better systems around communications and um, um, and be more mindful about it um, while communicating with each other um, across many channels. And um, so, although although our team is um, distributed, we have um, um, a, a good portion of our team working from the office, right? And um, so, so for mainly the people who are working from the office, I guess I haven't started working from the office um, because the moment I was supposed to join the office, uh, the join the team um, and start working from from our headquarters in Bangalore, um, the lockdown struck and I wasn't able to do that uh, sadly. But um, I'd assume that we still have we still had a strictly um, um, you know like um, like chat um, policy that we we would use our Slack channel for work, um, even even while working from the office, because that sort of and that kind of helped us um, and and the team um, build this co communication like b building communication as one of the strengths and um, finding any um, major problems that we had talking to each other and like passing on information, um, delegating this information and improving that you know and um, no one no one really saw this whole work from home situation coming in being imposed on us but that was kind of one way that really helped us um, move from um, working from the office to now being a completely distributed team 
That's great. And I, I imagine all of us use um, some form of Slack. I don't know. Maybe we don't. Maybe someone is like, no, we're on Discord. Um, what are some of your favorite ways of using Slack or, or integrations that kind of help you communicate with your team? And so we have a bunch of uh, integrations that we like to use. Um, and that's, that's kind of, um, that kind of makes um, sharing easier, um, whether it's just like a simple docs integration or like a Trello board integration. And um, so when we when we want to plan about something, we usually have this Trello board, and um, people will have a Slack thread, um, and like an associated Trello board where the planning could happen. Um, and um, this is something that we we are also trying to do more more often because you know sometimes yeah we're developers we can be lazy sometimes, and um, the easiest way to communicate is um, through chat, and we have Slack for that. And um, so, but we're still trying to do this that um, uh, have most of the information on maybe like a Notion Notion workspace or like a Trello board or something like that, so that we just minimize um, going back and forth with each other for updates or for things like that, you know, for for any links that we want, um, any documents that we're looking for. Um, because one thing that came up with um, one of my um, dear teammates. Um, it came up in a conversation with uh, my teammate is that the thing about using Slack a lot for delegating information and planning is that most of the information gets buried and um, or it gets siloed and we want these communications, these, these plannings and um, feedbacks and everything um, open for everyone to chime in on, right? And so having, having like um, a, a common space for everyone where um, they can just jump on and get a download of things is always nice, which is usually Trello for us. So we're still trying to use it better, but yeah, that's something that we like to use. Uh, so my pet peeve is basically uh, when multi multiple tools are being used uh, uh, and I'm not very sure which uh, information is on which tool, right? So we have GitHub issues, we have a Discord channel with community members over there interacting and we have Stack Overflow where people ask questions and we answer. And we, internally, we use Trello, Notion, and, and in between that, we have Slack, right? So this bunch of tooling, I think, um, uh, is pretty helpful in a way. But I think after a point of time, uh, it becomes too overwhelming to maintain um, searchable information at one particular place. And I still feel there is a, a product or tool that can come up which can uh, unify this whole experience, uh, making making it pretty searchable, pretty um, pretty useful for uh, developer advocates like us. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you mentioned searchable, so I really want to jump in and say Algolia can help you, but sadly we, we have the same issue. Uh, we have information scattered everywhere, and it's uh, sadly not a problem that we can tackle either. Yeah, we can create a one Algolia index, which will basically document <laughs> everything, and then we can yeah we can integrate a search API. Definitely, yeah. But I think there is there is a good uh, opportunity for a good product to come up here to unify this experience. Yeah, that would be interesting to see. I was going to say someone should make a GraphQL API for that. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I hope our community members are hearing this and then we will, we will then purchase their startup. So, you know, like, I mean, their, their services, not those, you know, but we, we will, we will be your customers. Uh, if you're out there listening, <laughs> listening to us, um, I'll, I, I'll, I, I'll be listening to right? this podcast and taking notes. 
yeah. after this. <laughs> we have all these new founders now. <laughs> so that's, yeah. great. that's great. Um, yeah, well, I love that part of the conversation where we start talking about things that we wish existed in the world. And, um, you know, if you had a magic wand and you could maybe make, I don't know, version 2.0 of, you know, I know there's many more versions than that, but like the next big leap for GraphQL or maybe something that would be after it, um, what would that look like? You know, unlimited resources and times, and of course, you know, just just some magic thrown in there as well. So w- what would that look like? Maybe just to like finish up the topic before, like, or in the sense of like what could exist. Actually, a thing I didn't know that existed that really helped us in our team was a Miro board. I think yeah, Miro, I think it's pronounced, um, which was like a, it's like a very good visual way. Like we were really missing the like whiteboard sessions with the team, and we didn't really know about any of like good tooling around that. Obviously, there are like those Zoom uh, whiteboards which are like awful to use, and uh, Miro is like really nice in the terms of just like having kind of like notes that you can put somewhere so we like build our whole uh, retrospectives around that everyone can like collaboratively jump around in the thing and like create notes like move them around you can build your um, retrospective i don't know three column thing or this uh, star with the start and stop and things um, we even then like put our backlog grooming in there to just like prioritize tickets and stuff and that was at least for me, really like eye-opening, and I didn't know that like such a tool exists. And even though it makes my laptop fan go wild, I really <laughs> love it. Yes, you know, same. I really like um, Euro as well. I'm both with the team, um, and I've been making you know team collaborative baby shower. Uh, cards for anyone because we can't you know sign cards around the office on Miro and I've taken a couple workshops on Miro that were um, you know brainstorming sessions um, that were pretty amazing and I know the learning team at Contemple has some really just like complex uh, it look they look like game boards you know they're really cool things that they're doing on Miro too so yeah I'm I'm totally a fan of that as well uh, yeah I was just saying uh, we started using it at Algoria too in, in my team recently uh, we found it to be super helpful for uh, coming up with ideas and, and, and like you say, whiteboard stuff. Um, as an added bonus, the tool looks quite nice as well. Uh, so as a front-end engineer, I can really appreciate that. But yeah, the the canvas drawing is pretty heavy, even on an expensive MacBook. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I first started using Miro when it was called the real-time board, mm-hmm. if anyone remembers. Totally. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, so I, I started, we actually used it at one of my internships um, some time ago, and um, that was my first introduction to um, the real-time board, and um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty cool collaborative tool, and tools like that really help teams um, sort of brainstorm together, and I, I, I love doing that. Have, have you done anything um, with Miro with your community members? Because I've, I've been thinking of maybe doing that, um, you know, at a DevRel event or something, but I haven't, I'm not totally sure what I'm going to do yet, but I just thought that might be a fun way of kind of getting, you know, you always have those people on the Zoom call that maybe aren't mm-hmm. speaking up, but you want them to participate and you know that maybe they're doing something, but you may never see what they're doing, you know, so I would love to kind of have something more interactive sometimes with some of the meetups we do. Well- one thing one thing that would kind of I, I really when I'm delivering a talk I really like to do these um icebreaker sessions which is everyone just jumps on something and um they interact and they talk to each other, they have a good laugh and things like that. You know, that also helps me um you know, sort of break my own anxiety uh, and nervousness and um also it it helps me just sort of connect with my 
um, audience. And so out of this conversation, I think one good idea of using Miro um, um, during talks or like community events and stuff like that is that I'd like to I'd like to do this collaborative session with um, the audience where um, maybe I don't know they like everyone draws something from their memory of like. Uh, if it's a Hasra event or like a Hasra talk, I'd like, I, I, I would ask them to draw the Hasra mascot, you know, which is, uh, which is uh, very close to all of our hearts. <laughs> and um, so that would be pretty fun. That's always fun with people. It's kind of like Pictionary. That's where my love for drawing and laughing at other people's drawing comes from. And um, yeah, that would, be, that would kind of be a fun activity to do with uh, everyone else, which is not very much about just coding or programming or technical concepts, you know, but everyone still gets to interact on something. And what are some of the ways in which you, um, you kind of are, are seeing the next few months or even the next year of what you're going to be contributing to the GraphQL community? Um, what are some ways that each of you both either, you know, three or companies or even um, on the side, what are some either open source projects you'd like to tool on or what are some of the things that you'd like to do over the next few months? Um, even if it's not GraphQL, I'd just love to hear what some side projects are going on in your brains. Um, what's one community project? I wouldn't call it a community project because it's um it's it's very much a product um in the market and it is, so if you've heard about Conf, um it's it's an online platform that hosts um that um helps people organize online events um like remote conferences and stuff like that and um so it's called Conf and it's built using Hasra so. Um, it's implied that it also uses GraphQL underneath, and that's that's uh, that's something that was um, really cool um, because it also helps people in this time, um, uh, you know, where all of these conferences are going online, um, events are being organized remotely. Um, so some a project like that, and knowing that they used Hasra for it um, was uh, was very it, it was a really good feeling. And so I feel like more of these um, um, tools using GraphQL, um, or not even just GraphQL, but like in, in the next year or so, is going to be around um, making systems and platforms um, that that um, bring this current reality as close to what it was before, um, before the world went completely remote, you know, or at least started going remote. Um, like things, I, I remember, um, um, seeing something on Twitter where an event was hosted and there was, there were these chat rooms, like remote chat rooms and there were small tables and chairs and people would just go hang out, um, in, in different chat rooms and, um, you know, like session tables and stuff like, like topic tables and talk to the actual speakers and the attendees because the name, name labels would pop up. So you would know which, ex which exact room to go to. And small, it's it's in the small little things that um, bring the whole experience as close to the physical counterparts as possible. You know, the remote experience. So I think um, there's going to be a whole emergence of these kind of tools that make the whole remote experience um, as um, uh, interesting and um, engaging, uh, interactive as possible. Maybe um, a pet project I have coming up, like I really want to do, is that my boyfriend and me built um, an exercise app 
with Firebase and React, and we want to move it to Hasura and basically like document the whole um, like migration process from from Firebase to Hasura. So I'm really looking forward to this. Um, and then of course also using the exercise app myself. That's great. That's great. I would probably be more likely to build the exercise app and then, then not exercise, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's a great idea. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, sure. Okay. Uh, so on my side, we, we don't use GraphQL at Algolia very much, so uh, don't get to play with it there. But on a personal note, uh, I'm working on a, on a side project as well. Um, as kind of uh, continuing an experiment I did while at Algolia. Um, now using GraphQL, it used to be uh, Firebase as well, um, which is uh, currently underway. Sadly, not using Hasura. Uh, I had some issues with uh, some computed values there. Uh, so I ended up doing it myself. Would love some help at one point, guys. Uh, <laughs> but uh, nice. yeah, that that's pretty much all I'm spending my my spare time doing these days. Um, it's a lot of fun. Sadly, not much to show yet, but uh, it'll get there. That's awesome. That's my cat <laughs> yelling at me for closing the door because she's like, I want to be inside. Um, that's great, Kevin. Um, anyone else have some cool uh, side projects or side hustle going on that they'd love to, to chat about? It's okay if you're keeping it secret. <laughs> we, all, we all have our passion project. Yeah, yes. sorry about that. Yeah, so not particularly like a, a, a project that might be released pretty soon, but yeah, like a prototype right now that I'm working on, uh, which is for developer advocates. Um, to basically uh, get notified about uh, what the community is talking about, uh, about your product, uh, whether they're facing any issues, um, and, or about any technology that you want to help out other developers for um, across multiple online platforms, right? So as I mentioned earlier, the, the array of tools that, that are there right now and uh, the integrations that are possible, um, just to make a unified experience where um, you get notified uh, through some form about a conversation or about an article that is coming up about a product. Uh, it could be uh, whatever your company is, or it could be a technology, or it could be like a, a framework that uh, you care about. Um, and um, yeah, that is what uh, I'm currently working on the side. Um, a very small portion of that is, uh, is already live uh, in the company as, as an integration. Uh, and I'm looking forward to build a, a good platform around it to to ensure that it's it's a pretty useful product for everybody out there. That's great. I love it. I mean, obviously, DevRel projects very close to my heart, so that that's really exciting. And I'm, I'm that's awesome that it's already in production. Yeah. Yeah, I have like a more of a crazy idea that I don't really got much time to actually coding, um, but just like sharing it here to get people excited, maybe. Um, it's, it's easier to start and it's more on the on the nerdy techie side uh, so i'm like all for this whole composition and extensibility aspect that graphql apis can bring and was like thinking about just bringing that kind of like to the next stage and having and like in the web browser and the ui having kind of like you are the host and you want to uh, to make like stuff extensible for example how we do like with ui extension in contentful and uh, what if you would just like communicate against the GraphQL API, but it wouldn't be like a real API, but via the like iframe messaging protocol, like handled by the host, 
and like returning you partial data that um, like other extensions might have been queried for already and like fulfilling the rest of the request in the background and like handing that out to like all the different extensions so that they like deal with the same data without having um, the, yeah, like all of them communicating with the service directly, like giving more control and like one unified facade for you to communicate against. And that would be pretty cool to see, but I'm not sure yet where that will go and head towards. Oh, that sounds awesome. Well, for sure, keep me updated <laughs> and everyone else too, because that sounds really awesome. I'd love to see, uh, you know, what, whatever stage. That sounds really fun. Um, so we, we just have a little bit of time left. And, you know, for our audience members who are out there who may be working from home and are bored, I would love to ask what everybody is playing uh, video game wise. <laughs> yeah, I can start here. Um, I'm currently playing through The Last of Us 2. Uh, don't worry, I'm not going to spoil anything. Um, <laughs> I'm still playing. <laughs> don't worry, I'm not going to say anything. Uh, I'm enjoying it. It's very depressing, so much like real life. But, uh, but it's a good one. Oh, yeah, and it's it's beautiful. Um, so I used to be a 3D artist myself working in games. Uh, oh, yeah. so, I have some in so I have some insights here uh, from, from friends who, who's worked on it. Um, but I, I can't believe some of the achievements they made. It's uh, it's incredible. It's it's very beautiful and, and very creative. I mean, the whole world is very creative for sure. <laughs> this just makes me wish that um, Antoine from our team they were here in, on this call because they're like um, the video game connoisseur um, nice. from our team and uh, you know everything about the coolest video games and um, the most creative ones and yeah maybe I can just you know. Um, plug some of the recommendations later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and it can definitely be non, you know, video games too. I, I played Sushi Go with my family last night. I love that card game. I can play that all the time. It's 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 very dumb and cute, but I love it. So <laughs> I highly recommend Sushi Go. I also played a, another similar game called Lotus, which is like a, a deck building game too, and but very simplified. So I like that too. I like a lot of tabletop games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I kind of like playing um, um, Spy Falls with my team, um, which is kind of like this um, old traditional mafia game. It's kind of like that. So there's a lot of guessing and thinking and a lot of distracting and manipulating. And I love nice. it. I just love it. That's awesome. <laughs> yes, I'm also unfortunately not a video game person. I tried. I went to um, how do you, a LAN party once. Nice. But then they kicked me out because <laughs> because, <laughs> because I was not, was not good enough. This is a very interesting story. And they, didn't, they didn't want to lose. So, you know, I like... <laughs> so <laughs> it made no sense for me being part of the team. So I just... And I was at university back then. So I just spent the whole night studying, um, which was more fun actually for me and also for the others. So this was the, <laughs> this was the end of my video game career. So, oh, but rough. I'm... Yeah, it's rough, uh, but I got through it. And now I just like playing games with my team, as Rich said, um, every Friday. And that's enough games for me, but I love it. That's great. Well, you just have to start your own LAN party and then just kick exactly. all of them out. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Any other games anyone want to recommend? I, I, I'm, it's mostly I'm being very selfish. I want to know other games to play. <laughs> I'm like, hit, I'm hit, I've hit my peak. I'm playing you know, all the video games I know. I need, I need recommendations. Also, uh, board games, tabletop top games. I, I just bought 
the Lords of Waterdeep, which is kind of a D&D universe tabletop game, but it's not D&D. It kind of has like, it's kind of more like a traditional board game. Very good. Highly recommend. Uh, I'm not big on board games myself. Uh, I mostly do it digitally. Uh, again, living in Paris, I don't have that much room, so I don't actually have a table to play on in the yeah. first place. Um, so I stick with the computer or PlayStation games. Um, I'm currently very excited for Diablo 4 when that comes out. Yes. Um, huge fan of that series. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be a while. Please have time and all that. I know. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about that one as well. <laughs> Although I, I did enjoy playing the, the, the Doom that was remastered for PS4. That was very fun. Very nostalgic. <laughs> if you have a VR headset, I can highly recommend playing Half-Life Alex as well. Yes. Yes, I do have a VR headset and I have played that. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge VR nerd. That's what I did before I came to Contemple is I was a, you know, I, I worked as a producer and a director of VR uh, experiences and games and I, I have so many VR headsets. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my favorite VR game is super hot. I mean, if you, if you oh, yes. have, oh, I love that game. Oh, they're coming with the DLC soon. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's so exciting. Yeah. I mean, that game is great on desktop too, but VR, it's just, oh man. I, I think the first time I had um, <clears throat> my boyfriend play it, he was not really a fan of VR. He thought, you know, I, I look I look very stupid in VR. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I look like, I look totally ridiculous. Um, Everyone does. It's fine. <laughs> You're supposed to. <laughs> but so he's like, I don't know if I want to do that. You look ridiculous. But I got him to do it and he, within the very first like 60 seconds, he punched a hole in the wall, exploded the controller, and then knocked my Alienware laptop like totally flat. <laughs> so, wow. 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 Immersion. A, deep immersion. Did you make a fail video of it? <laughs> I, I do. I posted on my Instagram. It was amazing. Because <laughs> like, I was like, oh, look, wow. it's first time in VR. And it's like, bam. I'm like, oh, for those red guys after you, was, was that going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, de I definitely think like Super Hot and Beat Saber are the two like best sellers on on any VR headset. Totally, uh, Half Life Alex coming if you want a full experience, but those yeah. two are so easy to get into. It's it's brilliant. Yeah, no, I mean you can totally break a sweat, <laughs> which is awesome. It's my only way of working out, to be honest. I I mean it's the best way. <laughs> I have seen in in San Francisco there are VR gyms. Um, and I'm like, although that seems like, yes, like, yes, I, I definitely love working out in VR and like breaking a sweat, like, you know, in super hot with those red guys. But, um, yeah, I don't know if I would want to do it in like outside the <laughs> comfort of my home. Cause I look so ridiculous <laughs> and also like it gets sweaty. I don't know if I want someone else's heads. I don't know, but you know, I haven't been to one, so I can't really knock it, but I have seen them. Yeah. I, I would not recommend it. I mean, I draw my curtains every time I play VR. I don't want—I don't want to look ridiculous to strangers. I don't know, I know. why. It's too much. <laughs> That's yeah. a great thing yeah, about yeah. VR. Is like I can't—I can see the world, but I can kind of forget, you know, that I look ridiculous, which is great. Or maybe I'm into that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, one very wild experience that I had with VR was playing that game. If anyone knows about it, Pacify. It's this. Um, <laughs> very 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 um jumpy game um it's this ghost um of a little girl and it um, kind of haunts you in, in this haunted mansion um and what playing that uh, in vr is just um that's another level of being jumpy 
because of a spooky game. That's, yeah. Yeah, I I totally cannot do spooky games in VR because I get way too immersed. Like I'm I'm in there, I'm in it. Yeah, I'm not quite to the point where I'm punching a hole in the wall and breaking my alienware, but I I get really immersed. <laughs> I get too scared. Like I can play scary like video games, but in the VR headset, something jumps out in front of me. I'm over. I like I'm just I like fall down. <laughs> so, yeah. There's a lot of good like like scary VR games for sure for sure. Or or creepy. Yeah, too. you should definitely if you're if you're a fanatic, uh, you should definitely definitely try this one out, the pacify um, game <laughs> on on VR headsets. That's awesome. Thanks for the tip. Well, thank you everyone so much for having a great episode three. But thank you all so much for joining us. And you know, we're all so excited about GraphQL right now. Um, so thanks so much for for indulging me and and chatting about one of my favorite subjects. So thank you so much for for being a part of this episode. Thank you for having thank us. Thank you. Absolutely. All yeah, right. it's been a really thank fun experience. So Good. I'm so I know. Hopefully, your first podcast, some of your first podcasts. Be the best. Hopefully, it's the best. (laughs) Hopefully, not the last. Definitely not the last. The best, but not the last. Exactly. Let's let's definitely do a part two. You know, because I think I I love doing part two. It's like we're we're super group back again, back at it again. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Always craving for the first experience. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Gotta chase that. We've tasted blood now. We want more. (laughs) Yep. No going back. Podcasters for life. Exactly. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dreamstacks, the developer podcast that feeds your mind and your soul. We hope you enjoyed it. Let's stay in touch. You can subscribe to Dreamstacks in your favorite podcast app. Don't hesitate to follow Contentful and Algolia on Twitter to get access to our latest news. See you soon.